Nice. Sweet. Uh, I love that you do that, Stephen. You do that sometimes, and it's—I don't mean to call it out. I love—I actually love it. Like you're—it's sort of like instead of saying um, sometimes you do like a little a little tune. I love it. <laughs> it's really cute. I would never get rid of that. Dope. Just so you know. Oh, very nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you want to get rid of? Um. Okay. I have another. I feel like every so often I have like. Ah, this is a real one for the world. I mean, I, I feel like I feel too less, often that I do I like a real one for the world. It's almost always <laughs> like, oh, thing that's going to go by really fast to then me. Like, mm, do you ever know this? Uh, no, dil- the I existential well, dilemma that we. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I like. I feel like the f- shorter, the like sillier ones are funnier. Anyways, whatever. I agree. Um, I but I it's it's a bit contentious potentially depending on people's eating habits, but I think we just need to get rid of beef as an industry fair done do um it. yeah i've recently i mean i like knew for a while just i recently read a couple of very great articles that mm-hmm. just the numbers illuminated so many things for me that the global the beef consumption only is is um accounts for almost 15 percent of global greenhouse gas emissions mm-hmm. um which is like huge for just one Yep. Thing. Um, and the amount of like farmland, uh, uh, sorry, forests and stuff that has been raised to create right. pasture land for cows that are. Particularly in uh, Brazil. Well, yeah. yes, but also in the last, I don't remember the number exactly, but it's like the last 50 years, the last like 20 years, like a short period of time, we've raised across the world mm. an area as large as South America just for pasture land for cows. And so that obviously is. Not only like it's funny because like the the biggest reason why cows uh, are like greenhouse gas emitters is because of their like farts <laughs> because they like create uh, all like so much um, this gas in, yeah. in their stomachs and then they have big stomachs and like it yeah I uh, mean, but they like, have four they have four yeah. stomachs right so uh, but but then also so like they like fart a lot and that's really bad for our uh, <laughs> our world but then also like the fact of like raising all these forests so that yeah. they can graze means that we're creating all of these carbon spigots versus carbon sinks so like you know because the trees aren't there to like right it's not only it's it. not only uh removing the positive but right. it is removing the positive to add a negative yeah and on top of that in terms of the u.s the i so the the, the so before becoming a vegetarian like i gave up meat Progressively, I started with beef because reading about exactly what you're mm-hmm. saying, and then I also like I just was exposed successively to the right things. So, like yeah. reading about the emissions, reading about that, like eighty percent of our agricultural output goes to food for mm-hmm. cows, mm-hmm. and so it's that other twenty percent is split between all other forms of animal farming, corn for uh, ethanol for gas. And then all the agriculture that we eat, well, mm-hmm. it's like if you were to reduce that 80% and actually, you, you know, maximize how much is actually going to people, mm-hmm. like the the effect that we could have in sort of yeah. generally helping hunger. And then on top of that, I was reading that I, I w- was exposed to this other like economic podcast about Russia's attempt to utilize its like large – swaths of of like undeveloped land for cattle farming. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have like the US massive cow producer now Russia massive country that's looking into cattle production and also in South America massive land is being used for cattle production. It's like I was like, well, shit, I have to stop eating beef. And then mm-hmm. from then on it like continued to escalate about like it is sort of reducing um cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. and then uh and honestly the reason that I don't have any problem with you getting rid of this is that so you know that I used to eat food waste um because mm-hmm. I think that you know generally speaking it's like ethical yeah. ethically um problematic to be opposed to the processes that create these emissions and then uh allow also the like those things to then just be wasted. Right. It's like, to me, 
borderline, you know, the, the ethics of it are very, you know, questionable, then I, I spent so long outside of the presence of wasted food that I just like can't really digest it anymore. Mm. Um, and honestly, since then, my sort of vegetarian vigilance has mm, gone phrase. way up. Mm. Um, somebody was like You're talking about vigilance. Mm. <laughs> somebody was like, somebody was talking about venison and this other, uh, this, my friend was like, like a deer. <laughs> and I went, Oh, I just looked at her cause she was like, you know, eating some steak and I was like, Oh, are you struggling because eating that deer is no inherently more unethical than the beef that you're eating right now? Mm. And then she was like, yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, and then she's like, but it, but it just, it's worse. I'm like, Oh, like it's, it, is it better because the, the cows were bred in captivity for the purpose of being murdered for you to eat. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, you know, it's like, as long as it's that, it's that taste of freedom that the deer had that makes it <laughs> wrong to eat. Right. Um, but like uh, me six months ago wouldn't, wouldn't have like even gone that step at all. But I'm now I'm like, eh. Now I'm just like way more willing to make, um, is the word caustic? I don't know. Caustic statements? Complete the sentence. Uh, oh, like caustic. statements, yeah. you know, yeah. in the, in, in the, in favor of like vegetarianism. Isn't being caustic like being. It's like being, uh, uh, can only think of an action to describe. Right. I, I'm reference. hearing the word fire actually. Like, I'm, uh, but you know what? I'm going to just give I it just, a goo. You know, my homepage give it a is the Merriam, Merriam-Webster dictionary. And so I already yeah. have it. Okay. Ooh, sarcastic so, in a scathing and bitter ooh, yeah. way. Marked by incisive sarcasm. So it's not yeah. quite. I mean, it's pretty much exactly what I did with the mm. deer and beef That's true. thing. That was pretty much that exactly right. That was a caustic right. statement. Um, but yeah, yeah so. Let's get rid of it. Boom. Um, what about you? Uh, you know, for me, I, I think I just want to add um, a phrase that I heard um, – <laughs> About like I just were listening to people. Um, they had to like basically it was it was Hassan Minaj talking to Beto O'Rourke, and they're both hand talkers, and so they challenge each other to like talk to one another about issues while keeping eggs on a spoon on spoons. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at one point, he you know Hassan was like, "Yeah, that's right. I kept it in the spoon," and I was like, "I just like." the phrase like keeping it in the spoon as mm. a way of like <laughs> saying that you stayed calm. Mm. Like, like yep, yeah, keep it in the spoon. Keep it in the spoon. That's like nice. don't let the egg fall out. Yeah. I love it. How you doing today? Keep yeah. it in the spoon. Uh, yeah. All right, yo, it, it, it's tough, but like you kept it in the spoon. Right. That was Almost like falling out of the spoon. But kept it in okay. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Keep it in the spoon. No, it yeah, That's it was definitely it was it was wobbly, but I kept it in the spoon. There you go. There yeah. You go. Yeah. Um yeah. I love it. Yeah, so that's what I want to keep. But uh, yeah, Gina, I think that, that spin. I think we got a motor if we're going to make through this podcast on time. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, I was, I've been really slowing us down this, to so far. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Thanks. So uh, yeah, let's do it. It's a fun. Boom! One Welcome to man. Should We Keep This, the cultural review podcast that teaches you to fly so you can fuck with the eagles. And we look back <laughs> over the past fifty years of film, music, and TV to challenge your nostalgia and fuck you gently with a chainsaw Ooh. to get at the question. <laughs> What's your damage? <laughs> I'm Heather Moskis. I uh, I can't. I'm bowing down to you. That was, and you didn't even warn. Wow, I'm, I'm Gina Stevenson. I don't even want to be a Heather. You're you're all the Heathers right now. <laughs> and this is a very special bonus episode yep. of Should We Keep This? Another one. We're doing the 1988 film. Heather's. Yes, it's so very. Oh, so very. So That's the thing very. that I that I honestly I really really wanted to uh, get that in, but it's so very. I, so very, mm. but I didn't. You know, I but did. I didn't let the like disappointment of that. You know, yeah, stop you from. I keeping other... it in the spoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You kept it in the spoon. I kept it in the spoon. Oh man, Stephen's on fire today. I, I'm gonna have to work hard to catch up. Um. Okay, so Heather's. This is ooh. Oh, I don't have the year in front of me. What eighty-eight? Year? Thank you, eighty-eight. Oh yeah, yeah. I already, you know, said that. But okay, it's well, okay. I was not listening. I didn't I mean was, uh, uh, that. Was a bit caustic. I'm trying to keep it, but... myself in the spoon, so I can't really focus on you right now. 
Okay. Okay. So okay. Heather's 1988, okay. um, dark comedy, uh, certainly a cult classic. Um, so this movie follows Veronica, a member of the clique of popular girls at her Ohio high school. Uh, the other three girls in her group, all named Heather, mm. hence Heathers. Um, Veronica is, at the beginning of the movie, she's fed up with the cruelty of the group and uh, the way that they like are treating other people in the school, and especially the actions of the leader, um, Heather Chandler. Mm-hmm. And she's miss, sort of like missing her old nerdy friends and like this persona she used to be before she was this popular girl. Um, Veronica also finds herself fascinated with a new student named JD, a trench coat wearing, gun toting anarchist. Um, I'll pause that to say that um, Heather Chandler takes Veronica to a college party where Heather gets really mad at Veronica after refusing to have sex with a frat boy. And after that encounter, Veronica like really wants to get some vengeance on Heather mm-hmm. for being so cruel. And so she and JD the next morning... Veronica and JD have sex, I think, that night. And the next morning, they break... Yeah, that night. That very night. Uh, That night. Um, Veronica and JD break into Heather's house, looking for a way to give her some payback. Um, JD wants to give her some drain cleaner to drink. Veronica's like, that will kill her. That's kind of extreme. Let's not do that. But accidentally... She, like, switches up some glasses, and they do give Heather drain cleaner. She drinks it, and she dies. Uh, Veronica and JD, not knowing what to do and not wanting to be suspects in this clear murder, they fake a suicide note for Heather. Um, And then the school sees Heather's apparent suicide as tragic, and they wind up sort of worshipping her for it, um, for this fact, even more than they had when she was alive. Um... And then we continue with lots and lots of just snowballs from there. We've got two football player bullies named Kurt and Ram who spread a really gross rumor about Veronica. And um, JD is like, let's shoot them with these bullets. They're not going to really kill them. It'll be so funny. We'll make a whole setup, making it look like they are lovers in secret. Um, They shoot them. Of course, they were real bullets and they die. Um, Veronica is like, this has gone too far. I didn't want to kill them. Um, he's like, yes, you did. You just wouldn't want to admit it to yourself. She breaks up with JD. Uh, this is kind of snowballed now. Other people in school are also trying to commit suicide. Um, JD gets everyone in the school to sign a petition that is actually a mass suicide note. They didn't know that it was that. Um, he's planning on blowing up the school during a pep rally. And Veronica figures it out and confronts him during the pep rally, manages to shoot him and stop the bombs from going off. And then JD follows her outside, showing that he has strapped bombs to his himself and he blows himself up. And it ends with Veronica looking all smoky from the explosion, um, asking this unpopular, often bullied girl named Martha if she wants to hang out on prom night and watch movies together. And Veronica's like, there's a new sheriff in town. Mm-hmm. And it's me. And I'm a good sheriff. And I'm a good sheriff. I'm a white hat. So that's the plot. Yep. And uh, yeah, so this film has become a cult success, but at the time it was quite a failure. Uh, $3 million budget, $1 million uh, gross. Mm. Um, that is a piss a poor. That is um, not a profit. The writer, it was his uh, first big film. He, he is, is sort of... Not inspired by, but it's very similar to. He used to write a like, basically, Dear Abby or like um, the advice radio show that that Heather McNamara calls oh, into. Yeah. He used to write like a fake huh. thing like that, so people would write in. So he would write fake stories that people had written into his high school newspaper, hmm. um, and this like propelled him forward. He wrote on Batman Returns, and then in the nineties, he did a number of. Failures, um, but then his brother, uh, his brother went on to direct Mean Girls, oh, um, his which brother? Wow. his brother, which is like very spiritually similar. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Then uh, this is the director's best known film. Um, 
One thing that's cool is the producer, her name is Denise DeNovi, and it's her first major film. She went on to become huge. She became the head of Tim Burton's production company for a few years after this film. Um, until 2012, she made like all the main Nicholas Sparks adaptations as well as like the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movie. She has had a, a massive career. Yeah. Um, and prior to this movie, she had mainly been sort of uh, ancillary production roles. Hmm. And then this is, this is not Winona Ryder's first film, but this is like her first lead. And it's sort of one of the first marks on her, like catapulting hmm. to stardom. Her, her, like the thing that is most seen as her, like launch pad is, is Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. But this was only like, this was like months later. Right, I was gonna say it was the same year. Yeah, yeah, not not far apart at all. Yeah. Um, this was uh, same deal with Christian Slater. He had been in like a couple films. He had been in a number of like Broadway shows actually, and he had been on the West End. But this was like one of the films that launched him into sort of a leading stardom. And since then he, he's somebody who to me has like had breaks, but actually really hasn't. If you look at his filmography and like, um, he has just been consistently in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Kim Walker, Heather Chandler, she, this was her first big role. Um, and her career never really took off, but she actually died of a brain tumor. Oh, wow. At uh, 32 in approximately like 2000, 2001. Mm. Um, this is Shannon Doherty's first movie. She was a child actor before that. This is just before uh, Beverly Hills 90210. They have very similar characters, at least the um, once she became a um, like the head Heather, mm -hmm. that's like a very similar character to who she sort of, who her main sort of famous persona became. Mm -hmm. Then. <clears throat> Uh, and she also went on to do Charmed. And then, interesting thing, Lizanne Falk, Heather McNamara, um, one of the few movies that she did, but she was a child model enough that, like, someone else wrote a book about her as a model. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, to me, I was like, oh, I'm sure she, like, wrote an autobiography. But no, like, someone wow. else wrote it. Someone else wrote a book about her work as a model. <laughs> and then... um other person of note would be Justine Bateman, who was kind of like the high chick. Mm. Um, she was in Family Ties, which we talked about with Michael J. Fox, but uh, it, it, playing definitely like sort of an oppositional character to her character in in this movie. But she became a a screenwriter. One of the things that she wrote was Wizards of Waverly Place, which I find hilarious. And her sister, is, her brother is uh, Jason? Uh, Jason Bateman, Bateman. Mm. Uh, two J's. Um, and I, I don't know if we've had this conversation, but I find J names inherently more believable as names. And so good job, <laughs> Bateman family. You kept it in the J. Um, i that from you. But yeah, yeah we, we, we'll talk about that uh, at the end. Um, no, we don't have believable names. If, if I wrote the name Gina down, I'd be like, uh, change could, it to something could else. Could write it with a J. Right. There is a J-E-E-N-A. -E that actually I would find as believably quirky more so than I would believe that My Gina would be written Great. traditionally. Um, <laughs> Stephen, no. Uh, Joaquin, sure. Mm -hmm. But Stephen, the no. J, so the J doesn't have to be heard it just has to be present at the beginning i think so but like i found like jackson jacqueline jasmine jennifer <laughs> they're just like inherently more believable <laughs> names and I, I don't know why so weird <laughs> uh but um the i find this is a personal belief but you know a lot of teen comedies prior to this um i i struggled to find any that like deeply satirize the nature of uh, high school. There are lots of teen mm -hmm. comedies, like uh, you know, quote unquote subversive comedies, like uh, Fast Times and like Porky's. But they're not. Um, they are not as um, as as cutting as as this film is, and I think that it is sort of the in it is the first in the line of like clueless. Mm -hmm. Bring it on and uh, Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. This uh, w apparently Winona Ryder um, 
often propagates the idea that there is a sequel in the works, but the director has been like, I don't know where the fuck she gets that, but every once in a while she just whips that out. Uh, TV Land optioned a series uh, in 2017, and there was like even a trailer released, but after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, mm-hmm. it 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 has it's listed as delayed, but it it, it ain't coming out. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this uh, Scream Queens plays a lot of pays a lot of uh, tribute, both from like the uh, the opening where like um, Nora Roberts' character is like just is getting dressed to Kesara Sarah in her like super wealthy mm. dorm room. And then also um, a lot of the like clicks operate like Heather's. And um, I also think that the Bobcat Goldthwait films world greatest world's greatest dad and God bless America get a lot from this. And there's a niche I know, yeah, but literally great. world's greatest dad, uh, Robin Williams son dies by autoerotic asphyxiation and to prevent the embarrassment, he like, like forges these journals and then people are like, wow, I didn't realize that he was so deep. And then his son really like becomes posthumously popular and like revered as a writer. Um, Mm. and that to me has like a lot of striking similarity. And then just his movie, God bless America has a lot to do with like people violently, um, Basically, really heightening the like problems of the like American society, and then someone deciding they're gonna like only kill people that like highlight those things, like killing one of the stars of my super sweet sixteen, and like the, basically American Idol judges type things. Um, mm-hmm. It's I God bless America is a much easier watch than uh, than. World's greatest dad. World's greatest dad is is almost un, unwatchable. Mm-hmm. It's too, like, it's just too, almost like gratuitously dark of a comedy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and then the main the main quote from this film. Lots of like places pay like homage to it with regards to like the way that the popular clique is depicted. Um, but the main quote really is, "What's your damage?" Um, which kind of surprises me because it's like, there's so many quotes. Maybe it's because the other quotes are like just too like confrontational. Right. Right. Um, you can't just casually say, well, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Right. Or like, ugh, bulimia is so 87. Right. Or, uh, you know, why are you pulling my dick, Veronica? Right. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, then also, it's like, uh, I also love very early on, she's like, well, if you want to fuck with the eagles, you got to learn to fly. Oh, I, I know. God. Yeah. Genius. So uh, are we ready to, to vote on this this B-boy? Let's do this for sure. Three, okay. two, one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you I, seem well, unsure. So I want I, you to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, feel... I mean, I definitely want to keep it. My my only hesitation is is like the... I guess I would prefer a version where like everything could be the same except in the end like JD like is arrested and goes to jail and like doesn't sort of martyr himself in a way that like I just feel like him as a character um, he's obviously like the bad guy right um, but he certainly could also be seen as a sort of anti-hero to Mm, some people with like who who feel a similar way as him Um, and the fact that he, I just think like the ending for him is, um, troubles me a bit in that like we don't, there's some potentially like dark glory that could be taken from him sort of like blowing himself up rather than like rotting in jail for a long time or mm-hmm. have, or even like publicly being like, Shamed. I don't know. That wouldn't help, but like the idea of it. But some. But some her, other, his perspective is yeah. not. Uh, it sounds like you're saying that his perspective isn't sufficiently like uh, criticized mm-hmm. enough that like prevents him from, as you say, like feeling martyred or becoming sort yeah. of a hero for the people who 
are on his side up to right, that point. Right, right. Yeah. Like at the end, I mean, we clearly see that Veronica wins and she should. Um, and like the, the, the whole idea of this kind of hierarchical structure that like puts unrealistic like popularity at the top and like at the sake of making fun of people, like all of those things are like are upended by mm-hmm. her. But I just feel like, yeah, his, um, yeah, his, his demise is a sort of martyrdom. Um, and that just feels dangerous. Um, but aside from that, I definitely want to keep this movie. Mm -hmm. I had never watched it. You had never seen it before? Oh my God. It is so funny. Uh, yeah, I can't believe I had never seen it. Um, yeah, it's so funny and so fucked up. Um, Right. It's, it's very, it's, I mean, it is as a, one of the reasons I think that it, probably did so poorly is because it was really on the cutting edge of a lot of major issues in youth culture. I mean, like the idea of, you know, so teen suicide, not like all, not as widely reported as it would become in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was only, I looked it up, one year, even though the the term had existed for a while, uh, acknowledgement of the issue had existed for a while. Many people did not know, and it was uh, about the concept of date rape. Mm-hmm. And it was only one year after the first major study into the like frequency of mm-hmm. date rapes that like. It even, yeah, it like it was only one year after that. So like the the idea that like it plays a a, a major role in this film at like multiple points, mm-hmm. you know it. Yeah, I mean that's like that's like very much on the cutting edge. I mean, literally, people didn't. I mean, at this point, I don't even think it was technically illegal to rape your wife. And then also, or the, it's just possible is what I mean. Like it wasn't right. legally considered possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, like I remember seeing episodes of of Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two and O that like aired in the early '90s that were very clearly after school special style designed to teach people that like acquaintance sexual violence is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in that. The episode, the message of the episode was that the, like, the character who had been date raped, you know, the message was, you know, well, I didn't say yes, but I didn't say no. Like, God. even then, like, the perspective, even though people were, like, people were super unaware, and then as they became more aware, they still had very backward yeah victim blaming notions of how to apply Mm -hmm. uh punishment or blame Mm -hmm. um yeah it it, it, and then i also think that i also think that the you know you were you were comment about christian slater's character so he's something that i do like is that Veronica's never really on his side for any of the murders, like all of them, even though there is this, you know, he has this moment where he's like, you know, you only, you're only pretending that you weren't, that you were tricked because like you just, but you wanted to be tricked. Like you wanted Mm -hmm. to, to do all these things. And I think that like having that scene makes it a little bit more believable that she had these mistakes that she would believe that like you could shoot someone with a bullet that, um, was only going to stun them. Uh, or, or, you know, the mistake made about basically she had poured something in one cup and then he, poured it and poured the poison in another and she accidentally takes the wrong one. And you see him almost tell her and then he doesn't. Well, you know, I like, uh, I like that they sort of, that a, she's ne- she doesn't like learn to not be a murderer. So she's kind of always a little bit more sympathetic. I do think that he could have been more two things. Like 
he could have been more humiliated and that's like I'm rolling my eyes as I say it because it's it's not it is difficult to say the idea that you were saying in a way that isn't also kind of wrong um but the well, error of his way be made more explicit to the audience mm. but also I feel like the air the like virtue of like the new world order under Veronica, I think that could even be sort of explored a little bit more because the you hear you hear him say things, his point of view, and then you I feel like you see her living by example, and I would have preferred to also hear her explicit point of view a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like, because her thing is that, no, we don't need to burn it all down. We just, we can all just not treat people like, like the, the, the choices aren't treat people who are different from you like shit or kill everyone because they treat people like shit. It's like, you can just not, you can just be nice to people because like, none of this stuff really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you see her doing that and you see her advocating for that. But there's less of a, there's less of a, an, you know, a stated allegiance to that, I don't know, worldview yeah. from her. Yeah, I, I we don't really know enough of like what happens the next day in school kind of, of right. like um, what this new order will be. And like if it wasn't for the last line couple lines she says to Martha of like where she's clearly you know wanting to hang out with this person mm-hmm. who everyone else has mocked the whole movie then right. like you know because she takes the whole there's a the whole thing of passing this like red scrunchie which is a symbol for a sort of like who's the leader you know because it was the original Heathers and she right. was a leader and then like you know her taking it from the second Heather if she didn't say the stuff to Martha like we could have believed like, oh, okay, so now she is going to be leading this clique, you know, because that's sort of, that's definitely what that symbolizes. So I feel like we don't get, they're kind of, you know, are we saying that like this, because of this conversation she has with Martha, that she is going to be a more sort of benevolent leader? Because she also is very much like, it's not a shucking of the need for hierarchy or like the need for structure. Like there is still a structure needed or that it seems like she's saying like she's taking that on to herself you know she didn't she didn't throw it in the garbage she put it on right right so it feels like um so i'm it's just like potentially i wonder you know what the next day at school would be like and how would she actually sort of lead Mm. um but i also and just going back to your what you're saying about like her not being presented as like wanting to do these necessarily wanting to kill people i feel like there's another element too of like this other type of peer pressure and like uh that is represented by jd's character of like um uh like where it yeah like this movie could somebody uh, on some article online was talking about like a revenge fantasy and like there are certainly it certainly is a revenge fantasy to a point Mm -hmm. but then it like very much becomes about like veronica being like wait like we don't we shouldn't have revenge fantasies. You know, like like those are, once we are thinking about revenge and like extremes, then like everything gets out of control and that's yeah. not helpful. So it's sort of like her trying to like prevent this, actually this idea of like it being a revenge fantasy. Um, but, but yeah, I feel like JD, you know, is sort of a symbol for this other type of life in high school that's an option of like, you know, this sort of, this re- very rebellious and very sort of like, you know, down with the system and, and that she, Veronica is not immune. We know to peer pressure because she was, you know, she joined this group of popular kids despite her desire to like be with her friends who she liked. Um, and she, you know, is sort of, she goes along with what JD is sort of inspiring in her and like, not because she wants to, but because it's sort of suggested to her and, and like how that, that being like a very extreme analog for like peer pressure, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you also get, I mean, for some reason, and this is not a direct parallel, but I'm also getting the, like the relationship, you know, we live in New York and there's this, like, if you look at certain neighborhoods and say, you know, Manhattan, there's definitely this sort of like, uh, there's a much more, um, 
kind of a, a, like elitist structure at play, and like that's where you get all the like finance people, et cetera. And then you've got, you know, in 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 parts of North Brooklyn, all the like hipsters. Well, then there's you know there's commonly the joke that like, you know, everyone there looks the same because they're so determined to look different, mm-hmm. and it's like it it, it 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 Veronica is more of the like the third party that kind of looks at both and says like, don't you both have to like, mm-hmm. like pay a lot of money and like change yourself a lot just to like right. appeal to whatever this ideal is or this right. set of values is. Right. Cause it's like that second version that the like JD version and the hipster version in that analogy is like, is also is about sort of like being against these establishments of what mm-hmm. you're supposed to be. But in order to do that, you have to embrace a new set of establishments of what you're going to be. Yeah. Right, exactly. I also just love the symbol. That's just such a great moment. When she shoots him the first time in the boiler room, uh, she literally shoots off his middle, his finger, middle finger as he's flipping her off, which is just like a perfect like castration of like, you know, anarchy. You know, right? Like yeah. of being like, no, your attitude as represented by this middle finger is the, the fucking problem. Right. And she just like shoots it off. I just thought that was great. Um I also do want to talk more about the date rape stuff that you were mentioning. Um, wow. I, I saw this movie for the first time like a few years ago, and that is by far what I found to be the most profoundly disturbing part of this film and yeah. why this film, I think, needs a much bigger audience. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it goes far enough. Like, I, I was really troubled, maybe intentionally. I don't know. The, the one scene... Where she and another, the other Heather, Heather, the cow three, tipping scene, McNamara, Heather McNamara. Yeah, they go on like a double date with these mm-hmm. two, the two like f- football dudes. Yeah. Um, and then JD shows up, and essentially, as Veronica's having a whole conversation with JD and then d- walks away from him with him, um, in the background, you know, out of focus, we can just see throughout that whole conversation, we see Heather pinned to the ground and the one of the dudes like just trying to rape right. her. Um, and we see her like, try, like literally, like truly trying to get out. But, and, and Veronica sees it and then sees JD and like engages with JD and walks off with him. And I, and there's no, and like, I guess it's a, like it could be read as like a statement of mm. like not um, supporting each other or like, helping each other or taking it seriously, you know, um, either by JD, like JD sees it too. You know, it's not like, uh, both for like any gender of sort of like, no, sure. Being, you know, but, but I feel like that moment and then it is sort of like not mentioned again, except Heather saying like the last man I had sex with. So we know it was successful because we know that therefore like they had sex, that the last man she had sex with died. And, and it's not, there isn't like a moment of like, you know, anything about the assault of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that scene where they're just like talking and in the background you can see it happening was so disturbing to me. Uh, it was. Uh, and like, and I don't, yeah, and I just don't know if it was disturbing in a like, I guess it's not, to me it doesn't feel like it did enough because there wasn't ever a acknowledgement or like vindication mm-hmm. for her of like what happened to her. And like, I feel like it just sort of is like, put in the background literally in a way that like, I guess makes us think about it and about how horrifying it is to see. Um, but I just don't get like a point of view on it as much. Yeah. There's this, I mean, in a way I'm sure that someone is making the argument. And even if I'm sitting here wanting to be an apologist for it, that there is some sort of perhaps parallel between the fact that like it's sort of in the background and and not discussed to like be reflecting the way in which like it was not being discussed mm-hmm. and like the sort of impunity with which people you know especially like these jocks were being you know rapists mm-hmm. um and generally speaking are i sorry world of professional sports, but sorry, uh, or high school sports. Uh, and you know, so no, do I, do I think that, do I want way more into like understanding that she 
just even even like engagement with this idea that like she said the last man that that I had sex with. So like, mm-hmm. does she have this internal conflation between like violence and sex, which is like I'm sure she does. Yeah, because nobody was saying that, that was necessarily a problem yet. And yeah, and so like we we know that like there are people that deal with that, but like we don't. Like to to have it, the conversation absent is like mm-hmm. definitely not something that we really accept now. And I think that that's also true. I think that we something I think that I see as a as also kind of insufficient is we don't really get um a sense we don't get enough of the internal world of. Heather Chandler either because we also see that she's like pressured into giving you know coerced Mm -hmm. into giving a blowjob and then like to the point where she goes and like oh yeah she like she spits spits at herself herself. in the mirror like spits at her reflection um and then effectively takes it out on Veronica Mm -hmm. and that sort of catapults the action so we really we don't and we never see her with that guy again and you know so we never because she dies the next day right of course um yeah and so you you know we just don't really it it becomes sort of a very uh unanswered question it's like a like a, a window into the fact that like she feels pressured to even she feels naive and even she feels pressure to uphold this sort of uh, image of, of being like cool and adult, mm-hmm. but she is still struggling as well. But we just, you really have to extrapolate on that based on like what you know to be true in general, as opposed to what's told to you by the film. And so you're right. Like I definitely wish there were yeah. more. Yeah. And it's possible, you know, like it's, this being, you know, certainly what feels like the first movie or a very first movie to like even go there and even show, like, I feel like, you know, there it is a satire, like, or it is a comment, this movie on like teenage, you know, life, but also like coming of age stories that are, that were before this like around. And so like, there's very possible that there's a, a version of a, you know, that's not as <clears throat> like interested in interrogating this culture that would just be sort of like, oh, we went to a college party and like I had sex with my college boyfriend. How cool is that? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And like, so this just, even the fact that it's going there and showing us the clear like disgust that we should have at these men, like, because it's very clear that the point of view is like, these dudes are disgusting. And, um, and so like that is for the time, like perhaps enough to start people to be open to like, thinking about it in a way that if it was too, if it was like super overt or then like maybe people just wouldn't be prepared for that. I don't know. So I just feel like there's room, there's certainly room for it. And like thinking about now, just as far as like, like it just wouldn't get made the same way now. Um, But like, it does feel like the intention of it is where we is in the right place is in like trying to expose this culture as really, really wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's even, you know, even just thinking about the scene after Heather McNamara, after she like is assaulted and then the next, and then calls this hotline for like, you know, talking about your problems. Um, And then the next day she attempts to like swallow a bunch of pills and Veronica is the one who like stops her. Um, Like, you know, that, that could be a really, that could be the place where there's something because it's like Veronica and Heather were the two people, the two women who like the night before were, you know, like that this happened, they were together and like Heather's like, you know, she's, she's the, she's one of the two like attempts at suicide that feel very like, um, just like trying to show us how like high school, how much high school can affect, you know, your, the way you're treated during high school can like really impact, you know, your mental health and that like, yeah, not faking suicides, but like showing, you know, that she is clearly, um, really, really distraught about all of this that happened. And probably part of the reason is because of this assault that just happened, you know? And so like, I feel like there is room in that conversation in the bathroom where mm. Veronica gets her to like spit out the pills, um, where it could come 
to the front a little because we already have a sense for like her, her like deep sadness and like shame and like all these feelings that she's going through right there. But yeah, I I think there's something that I I'm curious about and. I asked people about it and there's some things I've read that are just kind of, it's just, it's been difficult to verify, but there was a musical Heathers that was a new world stages, uh, in like 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my understanding was that it's, it backed away from the, mm-hmm. the aspects of yeah. sexual violence, which because that's what I was, I, I I saw the movie around the time that the music was on Broadway, and that was my my first question was like, you know, how did they how did they deal with that? Because it, for for weeks after seeing it, like the second that I would think of the movie, I would just become profoundly disturbed, particularly by the the cow tipping mm-hmm. date rape scene, mm-hmm. and and my understanding was that they yeah they down they sort of r- removed it in, in and really sort of amplified that you know and put put more focus on the sort of anti-bullying aspects mm-hmm. and I, I i was really disappointed with that because i i feel like the the, the commentary should be expanded on mm-hmm. not removed because it's a difficult conversation to have yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't watch that musical either. And I don't, but you know, it, if it's, yeah, there's certainly a way that it could still be turned into a musical and like address those concerns in a deeper way. But if it is sort of like made to be a commercial musical, then I'm like, there's no way that they would, could do that. Right. So Cause I'm it'll like, never be commercial. Like the, yeah. like that made it into the movie people like even awareness of that issue like it's suppressed in like contemporary reflections on the film mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's when people talk people talk about like loving heathers and it's so funny and blah, blah, and the only way that you can have that attitude is if you are like removing these things like blocking them from your memory and you're just focusing on the like fun words and the cool fashion and the monocle, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I do think that was my throat doing a weird thing. Nothing happened. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, uh, moving right along. Yeah. Silent at that moment. Um, I do think that the, the 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 musical it either would not be made now or would just sort of be made very differently now as with the movie just because like it, it is very difficult to while this movie i think makes a a, a commentary about like ever escalating chains of sex, uh, not sexual, of, of spectacle mm-hmm. violence. You know, this idea that like, oh, well, one person did it and now two mm-hmm. and now a school. Well, we see that very clearly that like, you know, you get one shooting and you get another shooting and then you get like 60 people shooting. And this idea that like people can, you know, get some sort of attention by shooting in this way that's like often falsely, um, falsely described as terrorism Mm -hmm. that like this idea of violence as spectacle, it's absolutely in on the, it, it, it's like definitely something that in America at the time was in a very nascent stage that starts to explode way more in the nineties. And then obviously where it is now, I mean, who knows if we'll come back from it, but there are it, there are certain things that are almost unbelievable because of where we are now. Like the fact that he pulls out his real gun mm-hmm. in the beginning, Jason's the uh, Christian Slater, and because these jocks are like, "Oh, let's just we can't beat him up because we're seniors now. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's just give him a scare." And then he like they go and they you know 
fuck with his food and then he makes fun of them and they're like are you are you are you kidding me and then he pulls his gun out and shoots twice so you're unclear as to whether or not this is real right. or are they dead right. but then it made it's been it's made very clear that it was a real gun shooting blanks and like and he gets like he doesn't need, well we don't even know if he's going to get suspended right. like they're, they're like arguing oh, he'll just about get like suspended. Uh, he, he shouldn't be expelled right. and now yeah. people get expelled if the like safety pin is too large that they accidentally kept in their pocket from the weekend mm-hmm. like the idea that he wouldn't be expelled is a borderline yeah. unbelievable well, and, I, and i think though like at the time if that really happened like a a person probably still like I th- there is a sense that like that also could be part of the absurdity of it of like even in the 88 if a, a teenager brought a, gu- a real gun fired blanks threateningly towards students like that they would get expelled I, you know what I mean like ma- I, I don't know ma- maybe not in the right place I only I only say this just because uh, I didn't realize I was such a fan but um also on an episode of 90210, uh, there is a there is a character who is uh, big enough to get in the title sequence, but not big enough to make it the whole way. Um, who dies because you know he's like the best friend of one of the major characters, and he dies because like his dad's got a gun and he likes to play with it. So this idea of like having too casual an attitude towards guns, especially among like teenagers is definitely something that is, is, you know, in a very sort of like after school special way commented very shortly after this. So I, I, I really don't know. I really, I, I, I I'm finding it very difficult to, to sort of capture the idea of that. Now, obviously, this is entirely based on like both of the that both this school and that school are um deliberately depicting like wild wealth. Mm-hmm. Um it's basically the only uh film that we've seen that the people are just from this crazily wealthy background and that receives any sort of commentary or any sort of note. Um, also like that even Christian Slater is from this like mm-hmm. super rich background. That's kind of like, Oh yeah, you're such a bad boy. You wear dirty clothes. It, mm-hmm. it really, it, it harkens right back to the Brooklyn hipster thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Also just JD and his dad, that, um, mm-hmm. yeah, crazy. Because just- they all they because so the dad calls him. He calls his dad son, and his dad calls him dad. Right. Well, and yeah. So that the whole time I was like, this is so weird. Like, just stop. This is not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but then not like the movie writing it not funny, but like these two characters is just like, it's what very are you doing? But the dad, like, there's definitely something too about like the the model that the dad is setting for his yep. son. Um, very directly leading to his actions and his choices. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that that is a really interesting thing that the movie does too of like, you know, um, showing just like toxic masculinity right. at all levels, yeah. you know, of like this, this because his dad is like a, in construction and he's, we learn, you know, very quickly that he is a sort of like a slimy, sleazebally, like get yeah. what, my way or that like doing whatever right. it takes very, to like, like a One of the few commentaries on sort of like Reagan, you yeah. know. yeah you know, slash and burn style wealth stuff. Like, right. oh yeah, all we had to do is just cut down this, it was like a hundred and some odd year old tree. That's all we had to do. And right, then, right. Um, yeah, and you see him like, you know, there's, he records footage of like demolishing this building and like shows it to JD and like they both are like, wow, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's very clearly like, um, you know, that he is, he he probably, it's not that his father would like condone his actions, but necessarily we don't really know but that um he is certainly following in the the entitlement and action footsteps of his father well he shoots the radio and his father doesn't really like chastise him for it yeah i mean right he's not in the room at that moment like who knows uh a you hear a gunshot b there was a bullet hole in it when he immediately came in the room (laughs) 
Yeah, but like, uh, yeah, whether or not this movie would like, right, sure. I, um, I, I'm sorry. I'm sure that they are his if dad's I guns, shot a gun, all the guns that he has, you know. Like, right, but if I shot a gun, no, I know. And my parents were in the other room. Movie, especially they at would that point. still be like, "Did you just shoot a gun in here? I know. And what <laughs> of mine did you break? Because I bought everything in this house. Like, yes, um, yes. That I was, feel judged by you. No, no, I'm just. That's yeah. not the point. It's all good that I was oh. thinking. But yeah, no, it's <laughs> no. Um, Yep. I also like that um there are that they there is this trope that I think that it's playing into but not necessarily commenting on which is this the like member of the popular clique that wishes she wasn't. I think we see that mm-hmm. with like Elijah Dushku and Bring It On and we see it uh like Elijah Eliza Elijah. Elijah Dushku. <laughs> um, where, you know, she's the cheerleader that takes the ring back to Mordor. Um, but nice, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there, and and like I, I do always struggle with that character because it's like too easy to to yeah. not be popular. Well, I, but I think I mean like with this movie, like you were saying, the lineage you were talking about, this and Clueless and sure. Girls, like the message by the end being like this image of like this popular persona is actually like you need to shed that in order to actually be successful in your life and you're growing up, you know? So I feel like, you know, it is sort of a, it's the message that I want all those movies to deliver Mm. and it's hard to deliver that. Like it's just kind of inherently got some like cheesiness, I guess to it because like that's, as far as like any other teenager, like if you ask them, they would be like, no, I want to be popular, you know, but like the message is important, but I don't know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. but like, right. But I don't know how many kids, teenagers would, who are part of like a very popular group would be willing to admit that they like, don't like it. You know what I mean? Right. And so, she doesn't go by Heather and she like actively dresses sort of differently than they do. I mean, I do like that there's this, the trope that it does kind of heighten is this sort of, you know, not like the other girls trope where she's like wearing very wild clothing. And then so much as like she journals while wearing a monocle, like that to me is making it <laughs> the, so silly. the most sort of tropified. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, really, I was thinking uh there was like just there's one other thing that I was thinking um yeah no I I don't know I don't know what else mm-hmm. that I have yeah. to say I also just like just to, as far as the movie itself like the way it's shot and like it's so well edited and it's so um visually just interesting to watch mm-hmm. like from the very beginning the first shot is like this really long quiet shot of the three of them like sitting in a garden, like talking yeah. and we can't hear what they're talking about. And then as soon as they stand up all in their like one color clothing, they all just like walk through this bed of flowers and like, then we see the flower. Like, and it was just like such a surprising way to like start this movie. And I feel like it's throughout just like the visuals and the editing. And then also like some scene, you know, the, the scenes that go more and more absurd or more like dreamlike, um, you know, it just like really, there's a great sort of unity of like, language and visuals and all of those things to kind of really create that, um, that storytelling. I also really think that it, it, the film creates a commentary on the, or satirizes the way that we like to create narratives for things by, uh, JD has these like singular elements that he thinks that, Veronica's like, why are you doing that one thing? And he's like, oh, trust me. Like when he wants to like leave a bag of things that would suggest that the two jocks are gay, he's like, and the kicker, mineral water. And she's like, anyone drinks mineral water? And she, and he's like, not in Ohio. And then when when the cops find them, right. the guy, like, the first cop's oh. like, wait, what's going on? Like, is this for real? And then the guy pulls out the bottle of mineral water and he's like, does this tell the story right, for you? It out, and yeah. he's like, yeah. Oh my God. And then, um, when they're gonna kill, um, Heather, Heather, 
Duke. Um, they're like, they have her, it's a dream, but they have her Moby Dick and like he under, she's like, he gives it to her to underline like phrases that are, you know, that would make, you know, build this case that she wanted to commit suicide, but she just underlines Eskimo and he's like, Oh, Eskimo. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. Um, and then it cuts to her funeral and it's like the most important word, Eskimo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, like talking about like this random thing that he's like, but you know, she seemed popular, but her soul was in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my first, I was dude, not where Eskimos are, but yeah. like <laughs> this, it, it, the, the way that it's like this whole narrative is crafted around mm-hmm. just like random insignificant things. It's like based it, it, it really the commentary is probably on like people pretending to know way more than they did mm. in like in certain moments or, or whatever when they're when really they weren't paying attention during that person's life when they could when they could have been mm. um yeah yeah so yeah i mean that's pretty much uh samezies yeah. Um, we, it seems like we have not strayed from our decision. No, it does seem we, like we would. We would tweak like, it slightly. Yeah, perhaps. like maybe we would like to remake it, mm-hmm. uh, or or more along the lines of were it to be remade, we mm-hmm. would like a further exploration into, like really sort of deepening the the nuance. Um, paid to the like uh, psychological effects of sexual violence as well as like really making sure that like you know some trench coat wearing douchebag didn't walk out being like no but JD's like he he's the one that really gets it mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah and i like i definitely i don't want a remake of the movie you know like i don't want it remade um, so it's interesting cause I like want those things to be true in the movie, but I also like really don't want to remake. Yeah. Um, we can so, just have a, yeah. it's been, it's been a few years since this style of movie has come out. So maybe we can just have a Gen Z version of this movie and I'm sure that it would mm-hmm. be fine, mm-hmm. you know, um, or that that would be the better place for it. Whether or not it'd be fine remains to be seen. I'm sure it's going to miss the mark in some way, but you know, let this thing, this movie can be in in, in the past, mm. I think. Yeah, but we can still keep it. And it makes sense to me that the, a TV show is a bad idea. Like, the fact that it was nixed um, after Parkland, like, certainly makes sense. But then also just in general, I feel like to make this a TV show, it's kind of like, what is... I'm just trying to imagine what the engine would be. And it feels right. like the engine of the show would probably be like, like more Veronica sense. and JD like continuing to right. like kill people and make it look like... And I feel like... And so that... Whereas in a movie, we get the like... We see it and then like in the same sitting, we also see it, you know, right. taken away as a as an ideal... Whereas I feel like it seems like I can't imagine if if it's staying pretty true to the movie, then that would be sort of the engine of like every episode. There's another student who is the target of this mm. in some way. And like maybe Veronica's conflicted and JD wants to do it, but it happens. And so like that certainly does not seem like a TV show that we like need today. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. Unless it, they were going to It just seems like it, it would also be inherently kind of boring. Mm. You know, it's hard, like it's not... Like, um, in that show, like Pushing Daisies, where somebody dies in like every episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like that to me, it's like there are many ways in which a person can die. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the cause yeah. and impetus to kill and everything would just basically remain the same for the yeah. whole thing. And so you know, who knows really if matter. that's what they were planning. Right, I'm just right, like, right, I right. guess if it was going to be true to the movie, that would be the only way. But mm-hmm. if they could have been doing something else, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, it doesn't feel, it makes me, I was thinking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer as I was watching this sure. a bit. Um, and as far as like, because, you know, similarly, I think like, that's one of those taking, shows that quotes, what's your damage? Oh yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, as far as like taking real, real life, like Im- teenage sort of, you know, experiences, emotions, et cetera. And then like showing them through a absurd metaphor, like Buffy, it's all like supernatural vampires and whatever. And then like, in this one being like 
you know, the extreme absurdity of this like escalating violence. I just feel like as a TV show, like Buffy is a more fun way to do that, you know, sure. and, and it's sort of, and it feels like it would be the same idea, obviously not in execution in like vampires and whatever, but that like, if the idea is like taking yeah. real life teenage experiences and like heightening them, then like doing it in the way that Heather's as a movie does it is like not what we need in a TV show. Right. And you also, I think with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you're dealing with this sort of medical metaphorical incarnation of some sort of issue Mm -hmm. by nature of having to take the issue and turn it into metaphor, the episode is then going to inherently deal with the meaning of those issues Mm -hmm. because it's already begun the writing process with some sort of anticipation of meeting. So it's really hard for it to, if you're dealing with people like this movie is we've got this issue where are they just sort of portraying the actions without really paying enough attention to meaning Mm. by starting with a metaphor, you're effectively starting with meaning and Mm. then moving outward. And I think that that's also something that is, that makes it more helpful also. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so do we just want to keep Buffy the Vampire? And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've already talked about Buffy yeah. on this show. I love Buffy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's keep it. Right. dope Um, Fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, until the daddy takes a T-bird away. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. We are, thanks we are, for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. It's We're a Rock Rising Productions <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not Heather Moskis. So I'm mm. Stephen Moskis <gasps> at Stephen Moskis. What? Moskis. This what? Whole time you lied. And then, uh, and, and you're. And Heather you're, the Hev. Gina with a G. I'm Gina Stevenson. What? what It'd be Heather with an H, right? I don't know. Okay. I'm just trying to keep the... Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, rate, (laughs) review us on iTunes, listen to the other Rock Rising podcasts. And uh, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next week with another sweet, sweet, bony, bony app app. Ooh, gross. I don't like that. (laughs) Let's... Get rid of that. Oh, yeah. We could get rid of Steven's abbreviation. Ooh, no, I should save we just that get rid for of, another it, time. Nope. Ooh, yep, spoiler. save that for later. Steven Moskos. Yeah, we don't like Ooh. when Papa hits us with them abbreviations. <laughs> so many things to get rid of. <laughs> Have we any haikus before we um, run away? No, don't rub it in. Don't rub it into Gina what? that she did not make a haiku today. Boom. That was five, seven, five. What do you think my fanning fingers was for? That's a sentence. You have to split it up by line. The lines count the way you distribute line by line. Gina left us cold. Thank you. That's better. Keep going. She could not keep her, her promise. promise. <gasps> I didn't make a promise though, but it was good for a haiku. My jacket fails me. Oh, what? I'm too mm. cold. It le- you left us so oh. in the cold that my my winter coat isn't sufficient okay, to warm to me. Then it's a real it's haiku. haiku. Read any of the classic yeah, no. haikus. They're not it. surface. You know, Area, uh, uh, but we'll forget the moon and the pine. Yeah, uh, you get to the ex- wind. You put it. your own meaning behind something that already makes a sense, and then you find absolutely sense. not. The, if you were telling me like, oh well, you know, take the take the superficial, and that's the that's the number one. And if you have it, if you don't, this is absurd. I don't have to justify myself to you. What will I be? Oh, ooh. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.